verses to you. The first one is from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 33. And the second one is Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 12. So the first one is Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 33. And if you'd also like to find Nehemiah while you're there, pop your finger in it, then you'll be ready to flip over. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 33. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. And over to Nehemiah, chapter 8. All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah and Messiah. And on his left were Pediah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah and Meshalem. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them and as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatai, 
Hadiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. May the Lord bless the reading of his word today. Well, we start on R now. If you've been here for the, the last couple of weeks, a bit of a hiatus last week in the morning, but for the last sort of two weeks, if you've been in study groups and the evening services, and we've been looking at the start of this, this series on grace, being genuine truth-tellers was the first one. And hopefully it's, it's made an impact on your life. It's... Um, this opportunity to share with other people truthfulness through our speech, through our actions. Sometimes when they, they don't like that, but it's an opportunity to restore relationships, to be honest, to be Christ's people amongst others. In some ways that's fairly straightforward. We understand that. The, the difficult part then is being on the receiving end of that, isn't it? If someone has something truthful to say to us, about us, something for us to learn, something else to take on board. That's a little bit more... Um, I actually think that's more confronting sometimes than the other because it's, it's a fairly personal thing. And the next two weeks is saying that we as a church not only want to be genuine with other people and truth-tellers to them, but we also want to be a, a people who are receptive, receptive to what is shared with us not just by people but also from God as we're going to look at this morning as we are people who receive his word. And over the next two weeks, this evening, we'll be looking at what's a wise person who receives? What's a wise listener? What's a wise receiver of information? What does that look like? And mainly looking at how the book of Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes talk about wisdom. How can we be the sort of people who listen the way we should listen, to receive, as we looked at in Proverbs 1, the blessing that God has for us, but not only as we receive from him, but we receive from other people around us. Next Sunday morning, we'll be looking at what is a foolish way to listen, a foolish type of receiving of stuff that's shared with us. And then next Sunday evening, we're not only looking at wisdom and foolishness, but what's a bad way? What's a wicked way? What's an evil way to listen? 
and uh, it'll be interesting because at different times we all of us respond in each of these three ways and the whole I suppose aim of, of talking in these two weeks is to help us as the people of God to be the sort of people who receive truth instruction direction information wisely how do we do that and this morning we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and other parts of scripture how do we receive the word of God as an instructive part of us as his people who meet here who want to learn from him now I'm encouraged as I read this that the people here really want it seems as we read those verses just then to hear what God has to say the people really asked that they would have the law brought out to them and read to them and they stood and listened for three hours that was a great thank you Is everyone cool with two hours there's not a lot of nodding going on uh, I remember hopping up to speak at a conference in Ethiopia and there's about five six thousand people there and they're all kind of standing up and out the front with their little tiny tape recorders listening and I'm kind of have a chat with the guy next to me who's the kind of conference convener and he says, your turn to speak. And I say, how long for? Um, he says, like, three hours? Did I do that right? And I said, three hours? I'm not sure I'm quite prepared for three hours. He said, you'll be right. Just hop up and go for it. And then we had an afternoon meeting after that as well. People wanting to hear. So as we, as we come and we look at how it is that we have to be receptive, this brings the the first point, I think, about our receptiveness, how we are to listen, and that is we actually need to want to listen. I have a really good friend, his name is Andrew, he lives in the United Kingdom, and when we get together, we just love to chat and talk, and we've we've solved the world's problems a number of times, and if, if the wise people of the world have come and listened to our conversation. We've solved the problems in the Middle East. We've solved the green, the environment, people's internal hassles. We've done that. Now, I went to visit him last year because we don't really do well on Skype. Our times are out of contact. And neither of us are really good at this email conversation. We like talking, sitting down over a meal, three hours, four hours just talking. And I went to visit him last year. And we spent a week together in the UK. And I was pumped up for about the four or five weeks before I went. I just wanted to catch up with this guy and to share time with him. That's what I wanted. And the Bible says that that's supposed to be our attitude when we come to hear what God has to say to us. It uses words in the Psalms, um, particularly I think Psalm 119, I found all of these words as I read through it. It says words like, we come to seek, to ask, we want. It talks about being eager, longing for, delighting in. It says that the word of God is our food, it's what we need to have to survive, it's our light it's what we need to direct us. And it says that it tur- we turn to it first. 
If we're going to receive God's word, we need to come in that attitude. I was not a good student. This is not an encouragement to you who are still students. You should be good students. I was not always a good student. I was very rarely a good student. But I still did fine. I did fine in subjects like English and science, physics, chemistry, all those easy subjects. But the difficult subjects I struggled with. I struggled with art. And I I struggled with PE. And I, I struggled with English and music. English probably, though, was the bane of my life. It just didn't make any sense. I love reading. I mean, I read six, seven books a week. I enjoy literature of a whole range. I'm very eclectic. But I couldn't stand English. And yet we got to read. We got to read poetry. We got to read all sorts of things. But I didn't like it. And I think one of the reasons was I never looked forward to it. I didn't want it. I have to be honest with you, it's not my fault. I think it's my English teacher. Particularly in grade 11 and 12, her name was Ms. McAndrews. Now, Ms. McAndrews and I, we didn't always get on really well. I think one of the reasons was every single book that we read was about the domination of men over women and how women need to come out from under slavery. Um, We read Grapes of Wrath, which was about subjugation of women. We read To Kill a Mockingbird, which was about subjugation of women. Um, We read Great Expectations, which was about the subjugation of women. By the time I got through two of these books and I had to go to English class, I didn't want to be there. And even if she said great things, because she knew her stuff, she knew all about subjugation of women, let me tell you, she had a lot to share. I didn't listen. I didn't care. I just went through the motions. Sometimes I get the feeling that when we come to the Word of God, that's kind of what we do. We've almost got it worked out, right? Jesus comes, he dies, he saves us. Easy as and we read what God has said. It's like, I, I know this stuff. We can let it flow over us. And we don't listen to it. We don't come and desire it as the very food which is going to sustain us. Do we come to it in that sense? Because that's what we need to come to it as. I didn't like Shakespeare in particular. I don't know why. I think it's because... Um, Romeo and Juliet is about the subjugation of women and so is The Merchant of Venice. Um, At least in The Merchant of Venice you get this positive Portia who works her way through the subjugation of women, which was great. And I didn't like his sonnets. I just couldn't get into them because I never listened. But there actually came a time when I learned a sonnet. I memorised a sonnet. I passionately did this over a period of time. You see... Shakespeare wrote this sonnet called An Ode to Sylvia. There was purpose. I could get down on a knee and quote An Ode to Sylvia. That was great. I desired to learn it. I wanted to have what the bard could tell me. And this is how we have to come to the Word of God. People in Nehemiah's day were eager to hear. They stood for three hours. They wanted to hear God speak to them. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have the Word of God which is there at our fingertips. 
do we eagerly desire to hear from God? And it does. It flows out of desire for God. It flows out of love for God. I love my friend Andrew, and I would just love to spend time with him and talking with him. I want to have a conversation. And I wonder as I was reading this, do I do that with the scriptures? Can I not wait to get back and hear what God has to say? As you came here this morning on the drive-in, were you listening to the news on the radio trying to work out who won the election? The sports results from last night, sorry for those who lost. Or were you saying, I just really want to hear what God has to say? I want to know as I praise God what's going on, what he wants me to do and how he wants to share his life with me. Because that's the attitude we have. If we're going to be people who receive what God shares, we need to be desiring him, loving him. The second part about being someone who receives well is we have to learn how to listen. The people did that. They listened, they heard, and then it was explained to them. They kind of looked at it and pondered on it. As we go through the the Proverbs, we have all these types of words coming out to say, when God has spoken, what do we do with them? It says that we meditate upon them, we chew them, we ponder them, we mull them over in our mind, we consider them, we discover what the truth is in them, we learn them, we memorize them, we put them on our minds, we search out what is true. In other words, what are you saying, God? We ponder that. Um, I'm a loving and kind husband, um, generally. Um, Often I, I love to sit in um, my bed at night and read with, with a book in front of me. I now have to have glasses so that I can read close. I can read out here still, but in bed it's much nicer to be comfortable, so I put my glasses on and read. This is one of those times when my wife loves to come and have a conversation with me because I'm trapped almost, I think. I can't get away. I don't know what the reason is, but this is a really good time to talk in the evening. And um, she'll come and she'll sit down beside me on the bed. And she'll start this conversation and um, say a couple of sentences. And I know that the thing to do is take my glasses off. I put them on my book and I turn and I, uh, I, I concentrate, I listen. And normally she then shares a couple of sentences with me and I respond appropriately. Uh-huh, yep. And then she stops and I figure that's it, conversation's over. And I put my glasses back on and I start reading. And she keeps talking. And I... I want to hear, so I take my glasses off and I put them on the thing, and I say, and I keep responding and listening. Yep. And then she stops talking, and I put my glasses back on, and I keep reading. And this can happen a couple of times, and then after three or four times, as I put my glasses back on, or just as she's having a conversation, take my glasses off, she'll get up and leave. And I'll go after and say, I have my glasses off. I was listening. But you see, I haven't been. I just want to read my book. I haven't been paying attention. In those gaps in conversation, I'm supposed to be 
hearing what's being said. I'm supposed to respond appropriately. I'm supposed to be thinking about what's going on. Husbands are smiling, wives are going, we're like this. But you see, the conversation means an actual, I'm paying attention. What do I do with this information? Where do I go with it? One of the things that our household has to do is that everybody washes their own washing. You know, we all have a basket at the end of our bed, you put your dirty clothes in it, and when it gets full, you wash it. Well, my basket can hold an enormous amount. It, it can hold about two and a half weeks if I'm really careful with, with how I'm doing things. And every now and then the conversation, the sentence will come, we've got people coming over and your basket of clothes is pretty full. And I listen, I hear, I say, yep, you're right. Um, but I don't listen because there's, there's meaning in all of that. And if I actually took a se- second to take a step back and put the two sentences together, what is being said is we have people coming over and your basket of clothes is really full. There's a consequence that just, it kind of flows naturally, right? You probably need to do something about that. How about the washing gets done? Huh? Makes everything nice. People are coming over. And, and, and I don't always get that. And it's not that I'm stupid. I'm not. I'm just not listening. And sometimes I think that's how we come to the Word of God. We spend our time, we read it, and we say, thank you, it's really good to have your word, Lord. And that's kind of it for the day. We don't take that, we don't meditate upon it. I know this is true for me, we don't ponder that. We don't say, God, what does that mean? As we go to work, because I wonder what God's saying to me through the passage of Scripture. I wonder, I wonder what he wants me to do. You see, we have the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us to guide us into all truth. He indwells us to lead us down the paths of righteousness. We have the word of God there which we have access to. If we love him and we desire him, we'll come to him and we want to hear what he says to us. If we're going to be receptive, not only do we have to desire the information, but we have to listen to it. And thirdly, the right way to be receptive is to respond to that. You can't listen without really responding. You know, sometimes when I get told that we've got people coming over and the files full, I might respond better by saying, yeah, I understand this, and I plan to get to do that today. But look, right now I'm really busy and I can't. But the plan's there and I understand what to do. You know, everything will be much smoother. Because that means I'm actually hearing what's being said. There's this response that goes in. In a couple of weeks, when we get to A, we're going to look at worship. Worship is the response that we give to how who God is as he's revealed himself to us. So being truly receptive of God's word will always lead us to worship. To say, your king and your lord and I'm going to respond appropriately. Because if he is king, 
and he is Lord, he's our God, our Saviour, then as he reveals truth to us, he tells us the way we should do, what's going on in our life, what he's doing in the world, we will respond to that. We see that in this passage of Nehemiah. The people hear the words of God and they weep, they grieve, they recognise their sin. God's revealed to them what they're like. And the priests come and say, no, having understood your sin, God has saved you, rejoice, give praise. And at the end of the chapter, as they keep going through the law of God, they realise there's some things God's told them to do they haven't done. He's told them to have a particular type of festival. And they say, we haven't done this. And they go and they do it. If you read through those same psalms, these are some of the words that it uses for responses that are appropriate to receiving the word of God. Praise for how wonderful he is and how great he is. Trust, knowing who he is, responding to him because he can be trusted. Grief, because we've sinned against him and we have dishonoured him and we've rebelled against him and we've brought pain into the world and with other people. Joy at all that he's done for us and what he continues to do. Delight, because he's so fantastic holding on to his promises trusting one of the things you'll notice in all of those is not only do they involve our minds but they involve our hearts as well if you like they involve our emotions one of the things which is often a struggle I think for for people in faith responding to the word of God is we fail to let all of ourselves respond to God. We're called upon not only just to intellectually understand what he's saying, we're allowed, supposed to make an impact on us. And that includes our emotions. When you hear how great Jesus is and what he's done for you, does that tug at your heart? It should. When you look at how fantastic the world God has made, does that cause you to wonder? It should. These are all appropriate responses. But then there's other responses. Psalm goes on to say, to obey his word, to keep his word, to follow the truth, to share what we've learned about God and to teach others. You know, if we don't take in and respond actively in these ways, then we're not really listening. We're not being receptive to what God says. We're just kind of letting it wash over us. As I've been reading through this, it's been an encouragement to me to make certain that I want to listen to God and what he has to say. I need to desire him with my whole heart. And I encourage this for you as well. That through the week you really want to hear from God. I think if we don't, if, if we're not in the, that place where we want to hear from God, then that has something to say about either we don't understand who he is or we're still in rebellion against him. Because if we understand who God is and we love him, then we will respond by desiring to know what he has to say. 
We need to listen to it, meditate, ponder, think on it, dwell on it, put it into our minds. And thirdly, we need to respond, worship, praise, obedience, following what he has to say. If you struggle with any of those things, then my suggestion to you is to ponder on his words. Spend some time actually thinking through what he has to say. Don't just read chunks of scripture that it just going to flow through like Great Expectations does. But think upon it. What's God say? Ask the Spirit of God to help you to hear what he wants. What he wants you to do with that information. It has to be, an, if you like, an active part of what we choose to do to hear God's word. That's the encouragement. We want this to be a church, a place where the people of God desire to hear God speak. They want what he has to say to them, not just during Sundays but throughout the whole week. And our prayer is, and I trust that your prayer is, that that's the sort of place that will be corporately as well as the type of people that will be individually. Let's pray. Father God, it's amazing that you love us, and yet you do. Father, we just want to hear what you have to say to us. Help us in this coming week to desire greatly to spend time with you. To desire greatly to have that relationship with you. That relationship of closeness, a relationship of love, where we hear your mind, where we know what direction you want us, your servants, to take. Father, help us to truly listen, not just to hear the words, but to ponder them, to say what's being said. Help us to meditate on them, to, to delve in, to search up, to discover what is God saying to me today? What does God want me to learn this week? And then, Father, help us when we know what you want to respond when we know who you are to worship when we understand more of the gospel to share it help us to be people who receive your word with gladness and share it with others Father we ask this in Christ's name